I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to episode 53 of Voice First Health. I am so excited about today's guest. This is a guest that has been on the podcast before, Brian Romley. If you don't know him, you are in for a treat. He is one of my favorite people to interview on the podcast, and I can't wait to introduce him to you. Just before we get to that, I want to remind you about the new Voice First Health suite of flash briefings geared towards health tips. There are a whole bunch of topics that we have right now. We have the health tips, we have diabetes tips, blood pressure tips, uh, acne tips, skin tips, and you can subscribe to all of these. All the links for these flash briefings are at voicefirsthealth.com and you'll see a briefcast link. You can simply click on that and you get a new tip every single day. All right, let's get to today's interview. And as I said, Brian Romley is one of my favorite people to speak to because he is such an incredible visionary. He has been called the Oracle of Voice. He has been often referred to as the modern day Thomas Edison. And his ideas are beyond what I could even imagine. You must, you absolutely must go back and listen to the prior episodes that he has recorded with me, and I will have the links to that on the show notes page for this episode. And by the way, the show notes can be accessed at voicefirsthealth.com slash 53. Brian brings so many different disciplines together. He is able to assimilate knowledge from just a little uh, sample of the things is history, anthropology, uh, psycho- um, psychology, uh, medicine, uh, technology, computer science, and he brings these all together and is able to describe his vision of the future in a way that I have very rarely heard. Today he comes on the podcast to talk specifically about medical transcription devices and even more specifically about how the new release of Google Recorder is a huge leap forward in the future for medical transcription. As you may know, doctors spend hours documenting and typing and dictating, and this new technology is going to influence the way this is done in the future. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's jump right into the interview with the Oracle of Voice, the modern-day Thomas Edison, and my very good friend, Brian Romley. Hey there, Brian. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome you back to the Voice First Health podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure being here, Terry. Uh, thank you very much. Well, Brian, uh, a lot of listeners will be aware that you are extremely active on Twitter. And recently, when Google announced their Google Recorder, you were putting out some information about why you thought this was so transformative. And I was really interested to get your perspective on that and how that is going to impact healthcare. But maybe we should first start off with Google Recorder. What is it? What's the big deal with this? Well, you know, all of the pieces that assemble into what is Google Recorder has been in the market for a very long time. And this is pretty much the story of any transformative technology. A lot of folks think it has to come out of nowhere. And in, in a lot of ways, it really doesn't. It's an assemblance of a lot of technologies that, that have existed and done in such a way that it is unique and more useful. 
voice transcription has been around since the 1970s. Effective voice transcription, uh, I would say, let's call 2000s. And there have been many companies that have, uh, that have done it. Um, the ability to uh, file, you know, these transcriptions in a meaningful way, that has not really been around for a very long time. What I mean by file, and that is to take the live audio and link that with the text results. So I don't want to jump ahead. So what is Google Recorder? Google Recorder is taking real-time uh, voice and transcribing it into uh, the new Pixel 4 phone. And it's being done completely local to the device. And to make very clear what I mean by that is you can put it in, into airplane mode. You can shut off the Wi-Fi. You can put it in a Faraday cage where there's no uh, radio signal going out. You can take the SIM card and it will still do, still do phenomenal uh, speech to text. That is a milestone. Now, Apple's been doing this with uh, Siri for uh, quite a while. Uh, let's say three years, uh, according to where you want to see the starting point was, but they have not embraced the voice first revolution. Uh, in fact, they give it benign neglect. Uh, even today, even today, uh, they don't see it as a standalone product. They don't see it as a leading feature. They, they see it like the calculator or the stock app in, in iOS. They don't see it as something more than that. So Apple could have done this, I say, about five years ago, at the very minimum, three years ago. But Google did it. Now, what makes it unique? Well, they're putting all these things together on, on a standalone device. Let's call it an, an appliance. And what makes it an appliance? Well, I've never owned a Google phone. In fact, I don't use Android devices very often. I use them more to program, uh, you know, internally uh, in some of my voice-first uh, designs. Uh, but I don't really use it as my primary front-facing, thumb-clawing interface. That's iOS. But I'm uh, uh -huh. I'm going to go Pixel Four primarily for this. Now, Pixel Four minimum uh, configuration. We're talking about six, seven hundred dollars question is, is it worth it? Hmm, well, yeah. as a standalone device that just does this, yes, but it does more. Wait, there's more. It is a Google search engine built inside of the storage of these voice, to, uh, you know, speech to text uh, files that you're creating. So you can actually in real time search over a year two years, a decade, every time you said, quote, this phrase, end quote, or something close to it, hyper-local, hyper-contextual, on a standalone device that perhaps never touched the internet. Can I ask you a quick question about that? Because a lot of physicians right now use something like Dragon Dictate. And sure. so that's text-to-speech, and that they're, they're dictating into a computer or laptop, which is, as far as that is concerned, my understanding, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm incorrect about this, is that's local as well. Um, so what's the big difference there? What we're kind of looking at is what's the difference between a, 
uh, a desktop computer, laptop computer versus a smartphone. It's sort of like the same sort of argument. Um, it's uh, much simplified. Uh, they're taking away the complexities. There's no software to boot up. You press an icon and it's happening. It's in your mm -hmm. pocket, not on your desk. Right. You can do it inside of an AirPod, which is how I do it. <laughs> mm, okay. uh, uh, and and so you can literally walk from patient to patient or even using uh, Amazon's new glasses, right? Um, and uh, you can go from Bluetooth, right, to the phone and you can go from patient to patient and start recording this data. Now, be very clear, at this stage, Google doesn't really know what it has and that's has a lot to do with how Google has built itself and how it's structured. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with building a company primarily around engineers. Hewlett Packard did that and it served Hewlett Packard quite well. I don't know how many Hewlett Packard devices you have today, but they did really well with scientific uh, instruments. They didn't do well in reaching further than that. Um, so Google is, taken a page out of that book and they've taken a page out of the Xerox book and they really don't deal with people that understand product development to the level that they should. And um, that's not a slap in the face. I'm just trying to be plainfully honest. So right now, this is just a free form database. It's no, have no illusions. It is not a physician fill out the patient form with your voice solution. It's a notes solution. And right now I, I've been working with actually uh, two physician groups at this point uh, that saw a tweet I put out there and they said, can you help us uh, with, you know, whatever it takes, you know, 69%, uh, 71% of my time is dictating notes or filling out paperwork. Uh, this is doctors and nurses and, uh, you know, assistants, et cetera. What can we do to solve this? The, what's in the market right now, they're not listening to us. I hear this constantly. They're not listening to us. They make it and they tell us this is how you need to use it. Or they ask us and they never come back with those features. Or we have to use um, the things that are generic out in the market. The ones that have already used the Pixel 4, and some of them went out and bought their first Android device, in fact, uh, there's one doctor group that can buy over 300 of these devices uh, hmm. because of this, just for one feature, uh, speech to text and free form notes that they're going wow. to uh, drop through Bluetooth and not even Wi-Fi to make it doubly HIPAA compliant. So there's no SIM card and there's no Wi-Fi and they're going to do uh, file drops through Bluetooth. Uh, there's a blanket HIPAA uh, compliance by using it that way. Wow. Now. If Google were to would have known what they have built here, they would have built it with an open API and a developer uh, ecosystem when it was announced. Now they can do that ex post facto. Maybe they'll do it after they hear some of the, the use cases that myself and other colleagues are are, are doing. But mm. as it stands today, there's nobody at Google that's really promoting this. Nor should there be, because that's not how Google operates. There's no evangelists inside of Google. They have great, great people on the side of developer uh, assistance, but they have no uh, evangelists that go out and show 
specific uh, uh, use cases to people like uh, groups like physicians and and nurses, et cetera. And if they did, they would come back with solutions specifically designed for those use cases. And that would have been the ideal way to show this system in its first form, rather than just sort of a generic, wow, you could take notes, it's a new recorder. Unfortunately, it's also misnamed. Uh, By calling it Google Recorder, they've diminished the value of what they've really accomplished. And it's astounding engineering. I mean, what they're doing on the device is um, is extraordinarily hard, and they're doing it to a, a level that my research says is about 98% accuracy. So I'm wondering, how does this uh, technology relate to companies out there that are trying to tackle the issue of voice dictation in the clinic trying to help save the physician time because you're absolutely right i mean as a physician myself i know like so much of my time is spent documenting and typing notes or dictating notes and i've i've said this a number of times like i i think if somebody can solve this problem this is like the holy grail of like the physician's pain and so i'm wondering how does this new technology from google what are your thoughts on that and the way some of the other companies out there are going about trying to solve the the uh, transcription issue for physicians? Well, Terry, that's a great question. And quite um, quite to the mark, everybody I've talked to over the last 30 years in the medical uh, arena uh, has been saying the same thing. And, it, and it's been getting worse. Uh, I've talked to some doctors that have been 50 years in it. And um, one of the reasons... Uh, some doctors retire in into the 30-year mark is they just can't take it anymore. The amount of paperwork is uh, is overwhelming because the early days, they remember what it was like to be with patients 75 to 80% of their time. Absolutely. And uh, and now that it's, and I talked to some doctors uh, that have a particularly high requirement for note-taking that they're getting down to 25% of their time with patients. And it's, and it's bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something I aim to fix, uh, me and my garage. Um, Love it. You know, first off, the problem with the existing technologies and the existing approaches is it's an engineering approach. And we talked about this pre-show. I don't mean to insult anybody. I'm an engineer myself. I'm a technologist. So some of the words I say, I'm not, I'm just trying to, be as uh, vitally direct as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, they're designed for the engineer to solve the problem. And human factors are not built into the system. So I, d- I work from the solution backwards. I'll give a big secret out. So what's the solution? And I think you probably agree with me, uh, Terry. Uh, I'll paint the picture that I uh, started painting in the 90s for a doctor. Sure. The device would be worn on you. More particularly, it would be talking to you. And therefore, it's probably going to be in your ear, probably going to have a microscope, uh, sorry, microphone. It'll probably maybe have glasses. Maybe it'll give you visual feedback. That might be the ideal device. So let's subtract from the conversation the AR, VR, phenomenology of this because that gets people confused and they fixate and get beguiled by, wow, I'm going to have stuff in my eyes until they get it. And then they really realize it's the stuff in their ears that's actually going to matter. Right. It's why I'm voice first. 
anyway, so now we just have something in your ear. So let's make it at this point an AirPod. So let's do a walk from the future. I love it when you do this. All right. I'm excited. Let's do this. Yeah. So Terry's going to visit a patient and you say, Mr. Jones, I have a new device here and it is uh, completely private and I'd like to have your permission so that I can transcribe our conversation today. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is covered by the HIPAA laws of this country and the audio uh, file will be deleted and uh, no longer available after it's been fully dis- uh, transcribed. Hmm, now, okay. there, there, the and again, this sounds contradictory to what I just said about the uh, the, the Google recorder. And that's I'm talking about a specific use case right now, trying to work within the guidelines of the social contract that we must have with people when we record them, mm-hmm. and the requirements under law. And in what I believe is normal human courtesies of ethics and morals. So, yeah, we're talking tech, technology here, and I'm talking ethics and morals. Interesting. So yeah. why, are, why am I saying that? Because people don't like their voice to be played back and used against them. But they have very little feel about your text being used as a way to um, help you better understand their conditions. So that's the difference. It's a psychological issue. Now that could change. The social contract can change. And we might say, sure, doctor, you can keep my audio. You can keep my video. Put it away. Make sure it's safe. And I'll sue you if it ever gets out there. (laughs) You know, but, you know, that's the other problem because it could. If it goes into cloud, it's going to get out there. So that's why, again, it can't be cloud-based. And I think I've heard you say this before, but the thing is, um, you know, if there's audio, I, I think to myself, how often as a physician would I actually go back and listen to the whole audio? I don't know that I um, almost would. Never. That's right. It's, it's, it's unnecessary after a while. And, and, and we would create a system where it would self-delete. It would notify you. It's like, uh, you know, and it won't be a dunning notification. It'll fade away. It'll have a, it'll have a trash can and, and, and you can say, oh my gosh, I got to go back. And then it's gone. But the text remains. And that text is now indexable into infinity. So now um, you're, you're, you're interacting with the patient and you're going through the normal interactions. And they're saying, yes, yes, that is a symptom. Yes, I, I, I do have this going on. And, um, and you say, hold it. Uh, l- let me ask a question here. Let's call it Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Jackson, uh, okay. your assistant. All right, uh, Mr. Jackson. Uh, d- did uh, did Mr. Jones here have um, a complaint in any of our prior uh, appointments concerning, you know, uh, uh, his uh, his knee? And Mr. Uh, Jackson uh, will whisper in your ear. And uh, pretty much say yes on uh, June first, uh, uh, twenty uh, thirty-seven. He complained of uh, of this symptom. Ah, and uh, are there any other related symptoms that uh, might be important? Uh, why, yes, uh, 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 Terry, there are, and you get a list of them. Now, did you ever need to look at anything? Did you ever take your eyes off the patient? 
You might even be talking to the patient in, in real time. You might even press a button and he can hear everything that's going on. Right. Now, is this an AI that's replacing the doctor? No, it's amplification. And that's why I take AI and I flip it into intelligence amplification. And this is just one of thousand use, thousands of use cases. Now, over time, all of the speech to text will be indexed for that patient. Now, imagine 20, 30, 50 years of patient interactions. At some point, the database will be the entire notation of that patient. At some point, it'll probably be legally okay for you never to fill out a form again because the database itself will maintain the continuity of that patient. And insurance companies will subscribe to this. I don't want to go too far down that road because that is a bit futuristic and I am a bit optimistic about it. But essentially, it's going to have to come to that or else the whole system is going to fall under its own weight, which is essentially starting right now uh, when we have uh, doctors that are spending more time uh, filling out bureaucracy yeah. and dotting I's across T's than to actually do the work that they went and spent so much time and money for. So. Mm -hmm. The approach that most folks are taking today is not even the low-hanging fruit. It is like, okay, doctor needs to fill out a form. I will create a form filler. And that's it. That's the low-hanging fruit. And, and of course, that's not the real problem. <laughs> we think it's a problem. If you approach it from the point of view of the problem as it exists today, you say, oh, yes, I have a lot of forms to fill out. This will make it easier. But really what you're doing is you're talking, typing into a form. And that's not what anybody wants to do. Now, what's, let's come back from the future and let's get to the middle ground. What's the middle ground? Mm -hmm. The middle ground is you're filling out notes in real time as you're talking to the patient. The intelligence is built into the intelligence amplifier. And it will extract the notes necessary to fill out the forms without you directing it. That's the solution. And this gave away uh, a multi-billion dollar company that hopefully Terry and I will form and we'll uh, <laughs> ride into the sunset. But uh, being quite honest, actually, um, you know, uh, let's do it, Terry. We'll start a company now. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but 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 it's it, you now a lot of folks that work in technology will say I'm insane. The technology does not exist to do that. And I'm telling you that they're absolutely wrong. Um, you as a doctor know where your milestones are in a conversation with a patient. That if there's one thing a doctor knows is they know how to control the patient-doctor interaction. It's yes. structured. It's choreographed. Those milestones and choreographed points will be able to be picked up and put into a form of any type instantly. That is a really, really good point, Brian. And that's something that I've, had, I've questioned that a lot because when I hear people, you know, doing this, this text-to-speech transcription and, you know, and I've seen even some demos, which are very, you know, they're, they're, they're videos and they're very controlled. And then I, I ask myself, well, how does the system know if I'm moving on from obtaining the history to the physical exam to my impression or my assessment to my, exactly. my treatment plan. And, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. In my mind, I have a very clear structure of that interaction. And so what you're saying is the technology can 
be aware of that structure. Is that exactly? And, and, yeah, absolutely, Terry. Uh, it's brilliant. And, and every doctor I've ever, ever interviewed is precisely in the same boat. They know exactly what they're doing when they're in that patient room, and it is exact. It it, it meets a milestone, and it ma- it doesn't matter what the doctor's style is. They meet those marks one way or another. And if they don't, it's not really a patient interview. It's, it's, it's not a diagnosis. It's something else. And that's probably a different form gets filled out then. But, uh, you know, the, at the end of the day, that's it. Now, what did, what did I just do? Well, we probably put a few, uh, unfortunately, quite a few people out of business in, in, uh, in India that do medical transcription work because there's a lot of stuff being sent overseas to be tra- transcribed. Uh, a lot, especially for large hospital groups. And this is the untold story of this stuff. And it's not HIPAA compliant. It, it, it's leaking out. I mean, all kinds of things. Um, but that does go on. And it's all because somebody wants to dot an I and cross a T so somebody doesn't get in trouble. It's all really based around insurance more than it is about patient care. Uh, what's really important about this technology that I'm talking about and Google Recorder, I don't want to miss the mark here. It's the beginning of that is you need an appliance that does this. You don't need to think about it. You need one single button and it's on and the rest is taken over by the intelligence built within the system. So if I was at Google and uh, they, they were able to deal with my eccentric, crazy, uh, crazy person ways I would say let's make let's make this device and let's let's go they used to say that if you can make it on Broadway you can make it anywhere. My goal for the single purpose device is is really ultimately to create a multi-purpose device by, by but by proving it on Broadway with a single purpose device and that's a device for the medical world. Now I'm not saying that that's what I'm starting to attack first. I'm just saying if I was at Google, because Google has a lot of problems. If, if I was somewhere else, it'd be a much different thing I'd go after. But if I was at Google, I would have taken that, put it into the size of a gumstick pack, put it with a, a really set of good uh, headphones. You only need one in one ear. Let the other one charge. They're both for the right ear or left ear, whatever your choice is. Uh, make it overtly obvious when it's on. There's a light. And there's other things, but I'm not going to give that away. But I've given the light away to notify the patient that you're recording, that you're using this device. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. So you put this stick of gum on the table so that the patient is aware that you're recording. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what's happening at this point. Uh, and it's clear in their mind. Yep. And again, we're, we're, we're dealing from the future at this point. I just jumped ahead. So uh, it, it's going to be pretty much a standardization. Now, Google can do this today with a standalone device, um, but they're not doing it because they don't have the AI to support it. Google's approach to AI is rote uh, memorization through machine learning. And that they've adopted and they are embracing that as the sole technology they use for artificial intelligence. And let me tell you how it works. Uh, you probably needed to see maybe 10 birds as a baby, you know, really a baby, but let's call you a toddler to understand bird. Right. Right. 
you didn't see 10 trillion birds like Google AI needs to understand a single bird under all lighting conditions, all angles, different colors, different plumages. Now, it, that's not how intelligence works. And they're not in doing intelligence. They're just doing fast processing. In fact, intelligence is something that most people, you know, confuse with speed. Speed is not intelligence. It's because a computer can do something faster than a human does not make it intelligent. And and I'm not talking about sentient and 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 uh, consciousness. That's something else entirely. Mm-hmm. But intelligence. Uh, and, and there's probably not enough time to dive into that. But just you know, we'll do a future show or go back to some of my other shows when I've uh, discussed this. Sure. Yeah. So Google Google can't see the stick of gum solution because they still need to go to the cloud. And if they still need to go to the cloud, you are not going to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. No patient in their right mind and no doctor, I hope, in their right mind is going to send patient records to the cloud in this manner. Mm-hmm. I hope not ever. It should never be there. Uh, it should never touch a network. What I just said, the device I just talked about is not in a, on a network. It, will, it should never go to a network. It should be instantly transcribed to hopefully a hardened local system that the doctor uses for all other patient data and never goes outside. Hmm. That's how patient data should be stored. And so anybody approaching this that says, oh, no, no, we trust, you know, there's never been a breach or whatever the story is. It's not about me trusting it. It's I'm a mathematician, right? I understand what the odds are, and I know it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to destroy lives. So those patient records should never be in a cloud, period. Hmm. And if they are, Somebody's going to be held liable. And I guess uh, I'll tell you where it's going to fall down on. It's always going to fall down to the person that has the least amount of money to lawyer up. Hmm. Right. And, and so I don't believe in the cloud for anything of any high value. And uh, a lot of people think that that makes me sound uh, uh, against the grain. I, I happen to believe in something called hyperlocal. And hyperlocal says that Moore's law uh, is going to bring technology that's so fast and so much storage that is so inexpensive that there is no reason to give it to the cloud, even if the cloud is giving it to you for free. So the reason the cloud took off is that the cloud broke the hard drive uh, value equation. Once you could no longer store the same amount of data locally on your hard drive, it was cheaper to do it in the cloud. And once the computer power was faster than your local device, then the cloud took over. And some people think that's it forever. That's what I call mainframe technology. That's precisely what IBM scientists, those in the know, the experts, they wore white coats, and they walked around pronouncing there's only going to be needing 29 computers forever. You know, they thought that all of the technology needs to be in a cloud. And it's bizarre, absolutely stunningly bizarre, Terry, that we're still doing the same thing with the same, you know, cohort of folks making the same pronouncements to the cloud forever. It's going to come back local and it's probably going to stay local forever at that point. Because let me tell you, once you can put, uh, for example, I put Wikipedia. The entire dump of Wikipedia on a $5 Raspberry Pi. 
And uh, literally, it's $5. A memory card was a little more than that. Let's call it that, uh, you know, $45, right? Yeah. Uh, And I put it on a Raspberry Pi, not with the images, but I can have a conversation with the entire Wikipedia dump uh, for about 37,000 years. Jeez. Yeah. And and, And not repeat it. But what's important is my path through that data store. See, the value isn't the data store. That's irrelevant, ultimately. The value is how did I interact with that data store? That's hyper-contextual. And that hyper-contextuality, once you do that with all of your data, you will never submit that to the cloud for privacy reasons and for speed reasons. Because ultimately, all of that data, imagine, Terry, now this is about 10 years ahead, the entire some total of the common internet that you use, other than the stuff that's constantly being updated, is two nanometers away on a chip next to your processor and not 2,000 miles away. So, Brian, all this stuff that you're talking about, it, I mean, it's fascinating. This is the way it's going. But if we bring it sort of full circle back to Google Recorder, a lot of this is the... Um, what sounds like sort of the, almost like the primitive stages of where you feel things are going. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, Terry. Uh, brilliant. This is the beginning stages of this. We are at the point where the proof of concept is here. And, you know, I've been doing it in my garage lab for a very long time. and I, But I've been doing it with a lot of Raspberry Pis because I don't have you know, a factory to build all this intelligence into a little thing the size of a Google Pixel 4 phone. Uh, but, you know, with a, a few dozen Raspberry Pis, I can do precisely the same thing. Probably not with as high accuracy, but I'm not doing it real time. Uh, what I do with a lot of my voice transcription is I do it off time because I don't need to have access to text anytime soon. And that's another uh, hint I'm giving Google. Uh, you can create accuracy by getting redundancy. You keep going through. All right, I give it away. I keep going through my uh, speech to text and it keeps getting better. So it doesn't need one iteration. After about 20 or 30 iterations, I'm nearly at 100% because I, I, I pronounce words a little weird sometimes, as you can tell. I still have my Jersey accent. But um, <laughs> after a while, it figures it out. So the doctor today, at the very least, has the ability to create free-form notes when they're with a the patient. And that can be descri- transcribed, if necessary, by another human into a form much faster than any other system that's available today. Now, I've tried a lot. And I'm not putting down the folks that have systems that are out there, but they're, they, they have not equaled this appliance utility that the Pixel has. And Google does not have a clue what they have. You know, if they did, mm-hmm. they would have marketed it that way. Uh, and, and it's not, ins- I'm not trying to be insulting. I hope it, it makes people a little mad and they go out and build it. But, at the end of the day, we need to do something to automate the physician, f- uh, physician and uh, the nursing staff. And this, I believe, more than almost anything we can invent, is going to move that forward. If we can give Amazing. the doctor their time back, right? Yeah, I, 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 I think absolutely. we are going to quadruple. How do you feel, yeah. Terry? I, you know, yeah. we, we talked about the future and we talked yeah. about the idea of you having this in your ear and we're talking about the intelligence of knowing where your milestones are in a patient interaction. 
What would it do for you and your practice oh, and your colleagues? It would be completely transformative. I mean, that, that that's just putting it lightly because as, I, as I've said, you know, the amount of time that I have to spend in my patient, depending on which office I'm in, whether I'm uh, dictating after I see my patient, because that's what I'll do, or whether I have a laptop uh, on my lap taking notes while I'm speaking with the patient, which I recognize, I fully admit, that is not ideally what I should be doing. I'd love to be able to focus more with the eye contact and, you know, being present. But the reality is if I, you know, in, in, in one particular office, if I don't document while I'm seeing the patient, then, uh, you know, it goes hours on of documentation in the evening and that, that sacrifices family time and so on. So, you know, for all these things that we've talked about, if I had a device like what you just described, what can I say? I mean, I'm sold. Where can I buy it right now? Like that, that's it, right? So, um, man, very, very exciting. I, I love this. I love your perspective. Everything about it. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. You know, Terry, I'm willing to build this tomorrow. Uh, you know, the, the reality is, you know, there are so many forces that make this hard. Uh, one of the early forces is just the idea of how people approach our AI, uh, the idea of, of having something in your ear, the social contract, dealing with that. Um, these are things that uh, either a really feisty startup can handle or a legacy company that has... Uh, the desire to rewrite that social contract with folks and to do it with an idea that they're participating. And, you know, if somebody yeah. is interested in doing this, reach out to me, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to hear you. Perfect. And me too. So Brian, thank you so much for spending some of your time. Every time you come on the podcast, like I, I could speak with you. And I think I've said this before. I could speak with you for hours about this stuff. You are <laughs> thank such you, a fascinating guy. I'm such a big fan of yours. Um, where can listeners go to learn more about what you're doing or how to connect with you if they want to reach out to you? Sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, voicefirst.expert is, a, you know, sort of a domain I keep. Uh, people can sort of contact me there. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'd be willing to talk to anybody. As far as uh, my social media, you'll get the spelling from this uh, show. My first Absolutely. and last name at Twitter and Quora. Uh, Quora is my long form writing. Twitter is my short form writing. I, I write about a lot of things that I feel that people should be paying attention to. And um, I'd love to continue this conversation. Terry, you're one of my, uh, uh, I'm a fan of your work. You're one of my big follows, you know, your podcasts and the work that you do. So uh, talk to you anytime and love to continue on with this particular subject, especially maybe a part two. Sounds dive great. into some of the minutiae of this. That sounds great. Thanks again very, very much, Brian. Thank you so much, Terry. Well, there you go. Amazing stuff, huh? Brian never disappoints with what he has to say. It's just fascinating. I could sit all day and speak to him for hours, uh, but unfortunately, due to time limits, there's only so much we can cover in one episode. But I certainly have plans to have Brian on uh, in the future and again and again, and as much as Brian will agree to come on to the podcast. Brian, special thank you to you again for taking some of uh, your time out of the day. I know you're very busy with all the consulting work that you do, and I really appreciate you coming on to share your thoughts. Uh, for the listeners, of course, you can access the show notes at voicefirsthealth.com slash 53. And again, one more quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by the Voice First Health Flash Briefing Suite, where you can get your daily tips. Or if you know somebody who would benefit from some daily health tips, then please share that link as well. You can access those at voicefirsthealth.com as well. Thanks very much for tuning in this week, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you.